0: Other people before a couple of weeks before before Christmas. By the way, I don't know if if you haven't seen it yet, but we'll be celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day. Um, We're going to have worship at ten thirty, and then the the children are going to present a program at ten thirty that morning. And we're not going to have life groups and Sunday school for the kids. We're just going to come at ten thirty and meet. So that'll be our our time of gathering on Christmas. you know is you know it's quite a discussion about when to do that you know it's like wow when do we when do we celebrate christmas and so that's when that's when we chose and I realize that there's people that have places to go and you might have times to travel and whatever but uh that's you know can't can't hit everybody's schedule just right, so that's our time of gathering on that day um so between now and uh that Sunday, I want to look at some of the the people the characters around the uh, the Christmas story Jesus' birth um today I'm going to look at people prior to prior to his birth and I'm going to go back about seven hundred years um, there is a prophet by name of Isaiah and he uh he spoke about seven hundred years before Jesus now seven hundred years is a pretty long time um i I figured it out they say a generation is about I think it was 30, 30 years. Anyway, 23 generations. The other night on Wednesday, we were talking about uh, passing things on, you know, information to our children and, uh, you know, stories. And we were talking about how far back we kind of remember stories. And, you know, in reality, I don't know, maybe you're different. Maybe your family's different. But for a lot of us, you know, that's only about one or two generations. We can remember stories maybe our grandparents told us. You know, we remember back a little bit. Unless they documented, we talked about, well, sometimes, you know, if we, maybe we ought to journal and write down some of those stories because how else will they pass on? And then you think about somebody like Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus' birth. 23 generations. What's the chances, if it wasn't a God thing, what's the chances that they could pass that on for 700 years? And what's the chances that some, somebody could write down something and, and it would be passed on for 23 generations? But we find that Isaiah you know, did, at that time, hear from God about something that was going to happen 700 years later. Now, that's kind of an interesting thought, too. If God told you something now that wasn't going to happen for 700 years, I wonder what it would look like. (laughs) I wonder, you know, I wonder, I wonder what it it would, would look like, you know. And it's not something you thought up. It would have to be writing down something you never thought of. You know, and you would think, wow. So, I mean, you know, you see how God chose Isaiah to be a prophet and then spoke to him. And this, what he spoke to him was actually preserved for 700 years. I want to look at just three of the things that, that I, that, you know, God spoke all kinds of things at Isaiah. I looked up the prophecies of Isaiah and there's a whole big list. And I thought, wow, I'm not going to go through the whole list. You know, it's good to do. I mean, there's, there's a great big list of things that Isaiah prophesied about that came true. But I want to look at some of the things that is like, wow, there's no way he could have known that. And the first one is Isaiah 7:14. In Isaiah 7:14, he says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I don't know what Isaiah thought when he wrote that down, but think about it. It says, a virgin will conceive. A virgin will conceive? I mean, did Isaiah just write that down and kind of keep on going? Or did he go, wow, a virgin is going to conceive? That's kind of interesting. Wonder how God's going to do that. You know, but Isaiah wrote it down. And in Luke, the first chapter, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And, you know, that's interesting because Isaiah prophesied it. I I can't believe that made any sense to Isaiah. I I can't. I mean, it doesn't make sense to people now. People are that's an that's an argument now. The virgin birth. Well, you know, that that can't be. Well, if there's no virgin birth, then Jesus is not the Son of God. I mean, it has to be. And Isaiah prophesied, and it came to pass 700 years later. And then in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, verse 7. And this, is a, this whole chapter is full of prophecy, but I picked out Isaiah 53, 7. It says, He, Jesus, was oppressed, He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Does not make sense. Does not make sense. That a man who is oppressed and afflicted doesn't say anything. Especially in our society now when you stand up for your rights and you let people know what you think and you tell everybody... You know, Jesus, now, who had all the rights in the world, kept his mouth shut. And again, then, in Luke, the 23rd chapter, Luke, the 23rd chapter, the, oh, excuse me, the ninth verse. It says, then they questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. Talking about Jesus... Before Pilate, they questioned him with many words, but he didn't say anything. He was like a lamb before the slaughter, kept his mouth shut, didn't say anything. Isaiah said it 700 years before, and it came to pass. If Jesus is not the Son of God, what's the chances that he doesn't say something? What's the chances of you and I, if we were put in a position like that, we wouldn't start saying, look, look wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Or we would say things nowadays like, can I call my lawyer? You know, is there somebody to help me? This is not right. Isaiah said, you know what? He's going to go and he's not going to say a word. And Jesus came and fulfilled that prophecy. And then in Isaiah 53, 12, it says, um, therefore I will divide him a portion with a great and he shall divide the spoil with a strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sins of many and made her an intercession for the transgressors. It says he was numbered with the transgressors. If you're talking about the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, if you're prophesying that this Messiah is coming to set us free, why would you say He's going to be numbered with the sinners. Does not make sense. That is not a position you would put the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And the people had trouble with that. They had trouble with the fact that <clears throat> they wanted Jesus to come as the king and set them free from all their oppression. And he came and he set them free from sin. That oppression. And then in Luke Luke, the 22nd chapter, the 37th verse. It says, For I say to you that that which is written must be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. Jesus fulfilled that. He was numbered with the transgressors. He hung between two thieves on a cross. He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that. And so we see, we see this, this part that Isaiah played in this, this whole story. You know, Isaiah just didn't sit down and say, well, you know, the Messiah's coming sometime in the future. I think I'll write down some things. I think, I'll, I think I'll make some notes about what I think he ought to look like. No, Isaiah heard from God. Isaiah, you know, the Bible says he had a vision. You know, the Lord spoke to him. And Isaiah wrote down things that he had no way of knowing. He had no way of knowing. And only the Messiah could come and fulfill that. And Jesus came and he fulfilled those prophecies 100%. 700 years. We are now 2,000 years past his birth and his death on a cross. 2,000 years. And he has prophesied that he's coming again. He said he's coming again, and he said some things in Scripture that we might look at him and go, wow, I don't know. Boy, I, that's, that's hard to understand. I don't know if, I, you know, that's not the way I thought it was, you know. But Jesus will fulfill that prophecy also. 2,000 years. You know, I, I thought about that, and I thought, wow, Isaiah only had, you know, those people, Isaiah spoke, they only had to wait 700. I, you know, we've we, been 2,000. And the tendency is after 2000, the tendency is to think, well, it's been a long time. Well, maybe, well, I don't know. Maybe it really didn't mean that. Maybe, maybe, you know, that was just kind of all something people thought of. But no, we realize that, you know, God spoke and he will reveal himself again. He is coming again. That's the next event that Christians really look forward to is when Jesus comes back. Sometimes, some situations more than others. I think we have to be careful. And I don't know if careful is the right word, but, you know, in difficult times, some people want him to come back for a way of escape. You know? I've been told that a lot of the Negro spirituals were written with a lot of looking forward to Jesus' return because of what they were going through in slavery. It makes sense. You know, like, Lord, come quickly. Get us out of here. Go through enough pain in your life, enough struggling, and you're a little more inclined to say, Lord, come. You know, people that are sick with terminal diseases, they don't necessarily want the Lord to come, but they want him to come and get them. They want him to come and, Lord, I've had enough. The tendency is if we're healthy and things are going good, we'd soon need to wait a little longer. Another couple thousand years would be all right because things are going good. The tendency is the older you get, the more you're looking forward to his return. The tendency is, if you're under 20, you'd soon he'd wait a while. That's just, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Someday he's going to come back. And there's going to be a baby just born before he returns. Because that's the most important. That's the most important. That Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of that baby, prophesied those things. And then we find the people waited. And like I shared last week, they waited, but then they got their eyes on the wrong things. And then when he did come, they weren't willing to prepare the way, they weren't willing to prepare their hearts, they weren't willing to repent. and Because of that, they rejected him. They said, no, that's not what I was looking for. Another couple other people that I want to look at today concerning Jesus' birth and before he came was um, a couple people waiting in the temple. And the first one is Simeon in Luke, the second chapter, the 25th verse. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord, now, let your, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to, the, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. A man. What's it say about him? It says he was a godly man. A godly man. He was just and devout. Just and devout. Determination was he was a godly man. And he was waiting for the consolation. He's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting. 700 years ago, Isaiah said he was coming. And here's this man who says, I'm waiting. And it says, That he waited. But here's the thing, folks. It wasn't because Simeon thought, you know, I ought to go down to the temple and hang out. I'll bet the Messiah shows up. It says the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Simeon didn't think this up on his own. It says the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. And so he waited faithfully. And it says he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Spirit, the Spirit of God brought him to the temple. You see the activity of God's Spirit in this man and how this man willingly listened and allowed this to happen. And he was there when the Messiah came as a baby. You don't figure that stuff out. You don't, you don't make that happen in your head. You don't say, well, the Messiah's coming. I think I'm the one that's supposed to get down to the temple and be there when he shows up. And I think it's going to be on Tuesday. You know, you don't figure that out. But it says he was a godly man, and God's Spirit revealed it to him, and God's Spirit took him there. The activity of God's Spirit in this is everywhere. Interesting, had a discussion In our family, uh, we had a family gathering yesterday and had a discussion about a lot of things, you know, like you always do at family gatherings. And so we had this big discussion. One of the comments was, well, the Spirit's in all of us. We just got to figure it out. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. The Holy Spirit isn't in all of us. And it's up to us to figure it out. The Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we, are, we receive him, but not every human being walking on this earth has the Holy Spirit in them. You know, Simeon allowed that to happen. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, he didn't figure this out. It wasn't in his head, you know, because the comment was, well, we all have to kind of figure out the Spirit, and we all have to figure out who he is, and we all have, I'm like, wait a minute. Anytime I try to start figuring stuff out, I usually get further away from God. When I try to figure out what God's doing, I figure out what he ought to do this, and he ought to do that, and this is how he ought to be, and this is how he ought to be. You know, God's Spirit's revealed through the Word, and the Word of God tells us who the Spirit is and how he comes to us and upon us. And that's what he did to this man, Simeon, because Simeon was a devout man, a righteous man waiting. God saw that, and his Spirit came upon him. And Simeon says, Wow, Lord, okay, I can die now because I've seen the Messiah. I've seen the Messiah. I believe at that time, nobody else saw him. Nobody, I don't, I, you know, I don't think anybody else in the temple that at that time saw him and said, Wow, there's the Messiah. It was revealed to Simeon because he was ready, he was watching. It's so important that we watch and we're ready. We're not going to miss it as far as the event. But what we can miss is being ready. What we can miss is being ready. And then there's a lady later on. Her name is Anna in the second chapter, the 36th verse. It says, now there was one Anna. Anna was a prophetess the daughter of Phanuel, the daughter of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. She lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him and and to all those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. Interesting. Here's a lady. She is 91, according to my calculations. No, she's older. Anyway, she's, she's great in age. She's 84 years old. She'd been a widow for 84 years. Lived with her house of seven. That's 91. I don't know when she got married, but she's over 100. Okay? What's to say about her? It says she was a prophetess. She spoke the word of the Lord. So the lady was inclined to hear from God and speak what God said. But it says she did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. What kind of a commitment is that? Of course, that's back when you didn't have nothing else to do. You know, we got too many things to do now to be doing silly things like that, you know. you know. Well, I would agree that it's different back then. But I would also say that I think she was the only one. It doesn't say there was a crowd. It says a woman who came and did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers day and night. And coming in that instant, Another coincidence. She happened to be right there at the right time. At that instant. And she spoke to him. And to all those who looked for the redemption of Israel. She gave thanks. She was thankful. What can we see from these people? What can we see? Well. They were all pretty faithful. You know. They were. They were. They were pretty faithful. Isaiah was faithful to write what God spoke to him. Simeon was faithful to wait. Anna was faithful to serve and wait. They were devoted. They were committed. And they were looking for what was coming. They were looking. They were ready. They were ready for what was coming. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, the 13th verse, Jesus He told a story of ten virgins. That's a story of being ready. Being ready for when the bridegroom comes. And here's the statement that he makes in verse 13. He says, watch, therefore, for you know neither the hour nor the day in which the Son of Man is coming. Watch. He tells us to watch. Watch, wait. And I think for the Christian, it's important for us to to think about what are we waiting for? What are we looking forward to? What are we, what's our expectation? I think that we have to be willing to look for what is coming and be ready for what is coming. Jesus, when he comes again to judge the world. We have to be looking for it. We have to be ready. We have to be watching. Because that sense of anticipation causes us to live the way we should. Because if we're watching and we're waiting for him because we don't know it could be real soon. You know, that causes me to live a little different. If I think Jesus is coming back in 100 years, well, hey, you know, we got lots of time. We can get ready in 90 or we can get ready later. We can put that off. I think there needs to be an expectancy that he's going to come today. Because that expectancy causes us to do his will. To be like Anna and Simeon, devoted, committed, righteous, devout. Those aren't words just for a couple people. Those are words that have complied to us. That we're ready. We're ready. We're ready for whenever he comes. We're looking forward to that day. We're looking forward to his return so that we can go and reign with him forever and ever and ever. You know, and I don't, I'm, I'm not faulting anybody, myself included, but, you know, we just went through the election and that whole thing, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, we're all upset, and we don't know what's happening, you know. You know, we just sang a song this morning, Joy to the, Joy to the World, you realize what we just sang this morning? In verse 4 of Joy to the World, it says, Who rules the world? It says, He rules the world with truth and grace, and He makes the nations prove. You know, if we don't look to His return and keep our eyes on Him, you're going to get distracted. You're going to get caught up in all kinds of stuff, me included. We're going to get caught up in all kinds of stuff that's going to distract us from what's really important. And we're not going to be ready. I believe we have to be single-minded. I believe we're supposed to continue to carry on until he comes. We're supposed to continue to serve and we're supposed to continue to work. We're supposed to continue to reach out. We're supposed to continue to do the work of the kingdom. But I believe it's with the anticipation that he's returning and that we're ready. We're ready. Because the same way it all fell in place the first time, it's going to all fall in place the second time. It's going to all, it's going to happen, not like that, but it's going to happen the same way. He's going to come back for his people. And we have to be ready. And the only way to be ready is to accept what he's done for us. He, he paid the price for our sin. You can't work enough. You can't be good enough. You can't get enough good things to outbalance the bad things. You have to accept what he has done, repent of your ways, and turn to him and receive what he's done for us. It's really kind of simple, but it sometimes is so hard because it seems so easy. But that's, that's the way we get in. When we stand before God, when he comes back and he stands to judge, the only thing that's make us clean is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. It's only the blood of Jesus. Not a thing I do, not a thing that I've done, not, a, not my works, not who I am, not what I say. It's because of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. That's what we have to keep our eyes on and Remember? So that we're ready. We're ready. And we're ready to receive him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's all stand. Father, we thank you that you prepared the way for your son to come to this earth the first time. And Lord, we thank you that you're going to prepare the way for him to come the second time. Lord, help us to have our hearts ready. Help us to be ready for his return. Lord, help us be ready to see you face to face. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, that you came and shed your blood to cleanse us from our sin. So that when we stand before you in judgment, we can stand in your righteousness. Righteous, right before you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that that's never received your love, your forgiveness, that they've never turned away from their sin, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts. Lord, help them to do that in their own way, to turn away from their sin and receive you, their Lord and Savior. Lord, we just pray that as we prepare for Christmas, Lord, we, we spend all this time remembering what you did that, Lord, we don't forget that the next big event is your coming again. Lord, we're ready for that. And actually, Lord, remind us that it's not that important sometimes that we're all ready for Christmas. But, Lord, it's more important we're ready for your return. So, Lord, just help us to be ready. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, just speak to our hearts. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to pick up chairs today.